stand, we like to honor God's word. He said he exalts his word above his name. And so we read in in, uh, Nehemiah, Ezra, they stood when the word was read. So we want to honor God's word. We're going to be in in Genesis 19. We want to talk about judgment is no joke. We're in some tough areas as far as uh, what God has given to us in his word to speak to us and instruct us and help us to understand the important things, the things that matter. And so in this whole Sodom and Gomorrah thing, we're, we're having to look at judgment. This morning we're going to look a little bit at homosexuality and sexual perversions. Tough topics. But because God's given them to us, we know they're, they're needed and necessary if we're going to grow in our faith. Amen? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So in Genesis chapter 19, I'm going to read, we're going to read the whole text through verse 14, and we'll, pick that, we'll talk about this morning, judgment is no joke. So in verse ni- chapter 19 and verse 1, now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them... He rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, before they lay down, the men of this city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Verse 6, so Lot went out to them and through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men sent to Lot, have you anyone else here? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. So, Father, give us ears to hear, I pray. This, 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 these things, Lord, are so, um, in many ways, difficult. Looking at these, the, the perversions and the things of Sodom, so we look at our nation, Lord. And like Billy Graham said, if you don't judge America, you're going to, you may have to uh, apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lord, we see it, we face it. So Lord, give us understanding, help us, I pray, in the attitudes of our hearts and understanding, Lord, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the only way to know you, the only true God. And Lord, we are ambassadors we're to be bringing the gospel, so help us, I pray, Lord, please, to understand these things and to walk according to your, 
by the power of your Holy Spirit according to your word. So bless now the things I prepared, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So as Christians, we know that the judgment of God is no joke. But to the majority of people we see day in and day out, God's judgment is not something they want to think about. And so they live their lives, consciously or unconsciously, suppressing this truth in pursuit of a peace and meaning that they will never know until they know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent through believing the gospel. That's the message that we've been ourselves saved by. We need to hear and believe the gospel if we're going to find out forgiveness and freedom from sin, which I'm, I'm hoping most of us, if not all of us in this room, have experienced. But if you're here this morning, you have not experienced that. Know this. God has an answer. He has a freedom. He has a promise. He has a son who died on the cross in your place to take all of your penalty and thereby be able to forgive you justly, righteously, and for eternity. So this Saturday, our Leadership Summit, I hope that you will come because the desire we have is outreach within reach. And we've had two of these so far. This is our third year doing them. And every time they're over the top, God meets our, ex our desires even in a great way. And really what I think is God always wants to do that. Can I hear amen? When we go in a, in a way to hear from the Lord, to get together as the body of Christ, God, I, I, my belief is God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And what we have to do is just show up. And so how many of you have found, you go, I don't know if I want to go today, but you show up and God is there and God does stuff. So I hope that you'll come uh, this Saturday. It's, it's six hours. They've been fantastic. We'll be worshiping the Lord. We'll be hearing uh, on, these, on this whole idea of outreach that's within reach. In other words, in your sphere of influence, who you are, how God's made you, it doesn't require some you know, frontal lobotomy. It doesn't require, you just have to understand that we have been given a treasure in earthen vessels. That the glory should not be of us. So it's not depending on us, but it, it, it necessitates us being in partnership, if you will, with God. To walk according to the things that he's given to us. So here's some thoughts that I'm going to open with and I'm going to also close with this morning in this chapter. I would like to leave today not with a better argument against lifestyles that are contrary to God's commandments. And because I know they are wrong. I'm going to pull out my high-powered doctrine gun and let him have it. That's not how I want to leave this morning, nor is it how I want to live my life. I would like to leave today with a greater awareness of my own daily need for God's forgiveness, God's mercy, and God's grace that's found only in the gospel of Jesus Christ, in knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. I would like to leave today with a deeper compassion... For those who the God of this age has blinded, lest they should see that truth. We're in a spiritual battle. Keep that in mind. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And you line up those four, whatever Paul's describing there, and you're like, we're no match for them, but they're no match for our Savior. Therefore, the Lord rebuke you. We're in a spiritual battle. And so we need to have compassion, realizing that they are blinded by the God of this age. They're in bondage to their sin, and he wants to keep them that way. But Jesus came to what? Destroy the works of the devil. I would like to leave today with a renewed commitment 
listen, to storm the gates of hell by boldly praying and by a bold witness of the gospel in both word and deed. That's what I'd like to leave with, and I hope you too. That we have an understanding, yes, of the issues. We have an understanding of the scriptures. But the bottom line is, like you, like me, like everyone, we need Jesus. We need his heart. Break my heart for what breaks yours, is what I pray often. Help me to have the compassion you had, Jesus, when you looked at the, at the multitudes and, they were, and you had compassion, moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were scattered and weary. How many people do you see and you think, you know, they're scattered, they're weary? I, just this week, I'm thinking about some of my own loved ones and some of the things that are going on that, that can provoke me, honestly. And I come to realize that they're just trying to survive. They're trying to get through it. And that's what's going on with most people. They're just trying to survive. And so many conflicting and confusing things that in the area of sexual identity and all those things, which we'll look at this morning, it's, got, it's, it's, a, it's a train wreck because we've moved away from God and His truths. They need the gospel. So 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says this, Do, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Sodomites coming from the story we're looking at. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That's the truth. That's sobering. But notice the next verse. And such were some of you. But you are washed but you were sanctified, you were justified, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's a banner couple verses. Here's what we also were, but we are, what does it say there? We are washed. We were sanctified, we were justified, how? In the name of Jesus. We've been made right with God because we believe in Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We need the Holy Spirit of God. God loves the sinner and Jesus died for their sin. Someone said, love the sinner but hate their sin. I would suggest we say, love the sinner and hate your own sin. We all have sin to deal with. An English evangelical preacher named John Bradford, upon seeing criminals being led to the gallows, uttered these words. There but for the grace of God goes John Bradford. He didn't enjoy that grace for long, however. He was burned at the stake in 1555, and he said to the fellow martyr, quote, we shall have a merry supper with the Lord this night, unquote. I say, amen. Death is going to be swallowed up in victory. This mortal must put on immortality. This corruption must put on incorruption. How do I know that's going to happen? Because God said it, promised it, I believe it, and that's what I've gained, this whole, whole perspective that God has given to us of these truths. So three things that we'll sort of keep, come back to in this whole passage as far as it's no joke. Here we go. Number one, where are you sitting? Now, I know you're sitting here. <laughs> So we'll talk about, I get that. I, you answered it right away. Where are you sitting? Well, I'm sitting in the sanctuary. What do you mean? Well, look at that. Secondly, who are you surrounded by? Or who's surrounding, surround, surrounding your life? Third, what are you standing for? I, I 
wrestled with that last one. Like, it could see how are you standing or why are you standing, but what are you standing for? Because judgment of God is no joke. So as we look at this passage, verse 1, now the two angels came to Sodom. If you're in your Bibles, I'm going to be going to Genesis 13, 14, so just have, we'll, we'll not be, have that on the, on the, on the amp, amp, amp. On the screen, <laughs> I want you to have your Bibles open, and as I go to the Genesis verses close around this, that you'll go to them with me. So in Genesis 19, you should be open there, verse 1. Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was, noticed sitting in the gate of Sodom. Now the interesting thing here is the progression of the direction of, so- of Lot's life. If you look at Genesis chapter 13, this is Lot's choice, okay? He's making a choice. Abram gives him that choice. And it says there in verse 12 of chapter 13, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as or toward Sodom. So he sets up his tent, looks at that great-looking valley. He sets up his tent, and when he opens up in the morning, there's Sodom. Not there yet, but he's facing Sodom. Verse four, chapter 14, verse 12. Here's Lot who's been taken captive, and what do we find? Genesis 14, 12. They also took Lot who dwelt in Sodom. So he pitched his tent toward it. He's looking, gets out. Well, I think I'd like to move there. Then he moves to Sodom, and he's taken captive. Abraham rescued him. And now we get in chapter 19, verse 1, it says there, Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. That means in a position of personal recognition, Honor and authority. He's now part of the ruling government of Sodom. So, question is, where are you settling yourself? What's the direction? What's the longing? Where do you want to be living your life? How do you want to live your life? Where are you sitting? It means he's, he, the direction of his life became more and more surrounded, if you will, by Sodom. Now he's in leadership there. Now he's recognized Psalm 1, here's the direction again. Blessed is the man who walks, what, not in the counsel of godly. I'm not listening to ungodly counsel. I'm not saying, okay, what should I do? And then walking according to that. Nor stands in the path of sinners. In other words, I, I, I'm standing in the path. I'm beginning to join them now. We're going to stand in our little groups. Nor, notice, sits in the seat of the scornful. Now I'm enjoying it. I'm settled. Same idea in Psalm 1. Blessed is man who walks not in the counsel of godly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But here's the difference. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Let me say this to you. The Bible will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Bible. The Bible will direct your life. Without it, you will become more and more rudderless. We've got to have the Bible. You know that. I know that. He, in day and night, he shall be what? Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That's where I want to be planted in the word of God. I want to be, that's where I'm settled. That's where I'm sitting. That's where I'm rooted. That brings forth its fruit in its season. And there are seasons of life whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. But are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the seat of the scornful. Or nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall what? That's the end of that life. It's perishing. 
There's no fruitfulness to it. So the question is, where are you sitting? Where are you settling? What's comfortable? What are you enjoying? Who are you joining? Who are you listening to? You see, judgment is no joke. It's no joke. 19 again, verse 1. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. So it would appear that Lot recognized them as heavenly messengers. And he said, here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet that you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now, so Lot knew Sodom. He said, you don't want to spend the night in the open square. It's evil. And so he's pressing them. He's saying, the sooner you can come into my house, the better. And in the morning, the sooner you leave, the better. Don't hang around here. It's bad. It's wicked. Now, it might be that he was a little embarrassed about what's going on in his hometown. And it begs the question, are there places that you are embarrassed to have the Lord visit you? Are there places... Where if, you, if the Lord comes, you say, you know, it would be better if you leave. It's a telling question about what's going on in our lives. Where are you sitting? Where are you relaxing? What are you enjoying? It brings in so many different things into each one of our minds about the things that we're giving over our minds to. And it's all over the place. It's blatant. In, how about the TV shows that you watch, the movies that you go to see? Is it parading these things that God says are sinful? I'm guilty. I think in some way we probably all are. May God help us. Where are we sitting? We're sitting in our living rooms, and sin is coming in through the screen 60 inches big. I say, God, you got to help us. you got to help us, Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. You were once darkness, but now you are what? Light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable, Lord. So I would say, I would challenge you as I challenge myself. What are you doing that's unacceptable? How are you living? What are you watching? What are you uh, enjoying? Continue, verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. For it's shameful even to think even to speak of those things which are done by them where? In secret. But all things are that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. That's what our lives are to be. We're to be light. He goes on. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. What is God wanting to do with our lives? He's wanting to wake us up again. We need to be woken up all the time. The, the, the course of our the, the, the weather vane of the culture we live in is going to put us to sleep with a nice breeze. Awake, you who sleep. Arise, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because what? The days are evil. Continue. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Psalm 1. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine in which, is, in which is dissipation or in which is excess, but be ye, literally, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We need, can I hear an amen on this? We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit day in and day out, hour in and hour out, minute in and minute out, second in and we need the fullness. So don't be, don't get controlled by these kinds of things, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So verse, again, in Genesis 19. So when Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, bowed himself down. All these things begin happening. Ephesians says, hey, wake up. Where are you sitting? Who's surrounding your life? How are you staying there? How are you standing? What are you standing for? Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Who are you keeping company with? Continue. Next one. 1 Corinthians. Paul addressing this situation. Now, the Corinthian church needed a lot of correction. That didn't mean they're not the church. It didn't mean they're not believers. It didn't mean they're not sincere. But they needed correction. How many of you need correction? I think every hand should go. We need the correction. And Paul in Corinthians, he's correcting them because he loved them, not because he didn't. So it actually reported there is sexual immorality among you and sexuality, sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles. Here it is, that a man has his father's wife. Now notice, and you are puffed up. Wow, that's cool. And have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from you. Same idea, might be judged. Continue. Your glory is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven. Deal with it. Get rid of it. Address it. 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Evil company, company corrupts good habits. Oh, here it is again. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. Who are you sitting with? Who are you hanging out with? Where are you sitting? What are you, what's the place of enjoyment for you? It's a searching question. May God search our hearts. Amen. And our minds and our thoughts and our thinking as to what we're doing. Because judgment is no joke. And there's a world out there that's needing our light. That's needing our witness. That's needing the salt of pres- preserving them in the, whatever condition. Now, to stop the perversions from continuing. They need a testimony. They need what God has put in our hearts. The gospel. Verse 4 of Genesis 19. Now before they lay down, the men of this city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. Listen, this is a wicked majority, not minority. This is Sodom. When Abraham was interceding, hey, if there's just 10, if there's 10, I won't destroy it. There wasn't even, there was one, I believe, and it was a lot. It was a lot. So, this is a premeditated and planned siege of wickedness. That's what the city is given over to. And they called to Lot and said, verse 5, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. Who are they interested in? The two men. Who was asking for them? The young and the old men. What were they wanting? Listen carefully. It's very simple. They were wanting to have homosexual relationships with them. To know carnally 
is to have intimate sexual relations used between a man and his wife. Same word, yada. Yada is the same word used in Genesis 4.1 where Adam yada Eve and, they, and brought forth Cain. It does not imply rape. The word, it draws attention to the fact that they were wanting sex with them. It does not emphasize that the issue was that they were wanting to rape them. If God's intent was to focus on that, violence, he could have used other words. We find one in Genesis 34 too. It's called violated her. We find one of the, another word in Zechariah 14 too. They ravished the women. This is important because I'll share some this morning. There's so much to this, which I'll hit in a minute. But it's important because the arguments from the pro-homosexual theologians, if you will, is that that's what God's talking about, is rape, violence. But the word, the Holy Spirit, is just, it just draws attention to the idea of sexual activity, not violent sexual activity. Let me go on, verse 6. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him, and said, please, my brother, do not do what? So wickedly. So if this is simply wanting to know them, to get their names in chat, then why is Lot calling it wickedness? See now, I have, verse 8, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them to you. That you And you may do to them as you wish, only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. Now this does get, I mean, this wicked determination that they're having, if it's not sexual, this doesn't make any sense at all. Now, it's very difficult to get this wrapped around our minds, is it not? I'll give you my two daughters. That he would offer them to be violated. To be as, as he was saying. Now, it never happened mercifully. But it's just another thing that adds to the perversions that happen. Even though it might be, in a sense, culturally right. And so, that Lot would offer his daughters is like, What? And I think that's an important note to make. That's what happens when it's so perverted culturally. Now, I want to take a little detour before we continue. As many of you know, this historic event, which is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, has very valid questions that come up. It's caused so much controversy it stirred up so much animosity that it deserves our attention way past a 40-minute Bible study. So there are many resources available, accessible, easily. If you want to email me, I'll send you. I've read seven books on this. I've got a couple more left to go. I'll give you the resources book-wise. I'll give you notes that I have. I'll send you articles. If you really want to understand what's going on here. And I think that it would be important to at least some. The, the one book that I would, I would suggest is by Kevin DeYoung. It's called, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? Great little book. It's not much to read. It's a good book. But if you email me, I'll send those to you. Now, another thing I wanted to mention here. 
is that CCS will be hosting a conference in June of 2020. It's called Hope 2020. Now, we, we caught this, this organization that's seeking to speak the truth in love. We got connected to them through a guy named Jeff Simmons. And if you were here in October of 2018, he came and did a seminar that was, if he went, it was absolutely fantastic. We called it LGBT plus church equals question mark. In other words, how do we love and bring the gospel to this community? And so his presentation was filled with clear biblical instruction and compassion. Jeff is a brother who personally understands same-sex attraction and has honored Jesus by living a celibate lifestyle for years and years and years. His ministry, it's called the Tower of Light Ministries, is based out of North Shore Community Church, and he is a brother that I've called on several occasions, talked to him. I wrote to him, actually, and I asked him, is it okay if I share this? He said yes. So, brothers, I, I, right now in these moments that we have, I want to give to you a, sort of a, a flyover. But again, well, here's what I want to do also. I want to give, give to you our bylaws, just part of our bylaws. Now, there's a lot of, if you look at, and I'll, again, they're yours for the asking. The bylaws of Calvary Chapel South. I just want to go through what would apply to this area this morning with you. Uh, and if you want them, I can send them to you. Now, in each one of these little statements that we have, explaining our position, there are a ton of scriptures. I've removed those just for the sake of space on the screen. But if you want these, so if, if well, I was going to say if you don't mind, but if you, don't, if you do, it's too bad. I'm going to go it anyway. Okay, here we go. Here are a statement of faith, character, beliefs, and ordinances. Number one. Number one, there we go. Actually, it's number two. There are many. We believe, this is important. This is foundational to what we're doing this morning. We believe that the 66 books of the Bible, the scriptures that make up the Old and New Testaments, are the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and authoritative word of God and are the infallible rule of faith and practice. The word of God is the foundation upon which this church operates and is the basis for which this church is governed. We believe that the word of God supersedes any earthly law that... Did we cut off part of that? That looks like we did. That is contrary to the Holy Scriptures. Okay, that's what was missing. Number 16 in, this, in our bylaws. We believe that marriage is exclusively the legal union of one genetic male and one genetic female, evidenced by a marriage ceremony, an exclusive covenantal union of a man and a woman in which such union is a lifetime commitment. We go on. We also believe that legitimate biblical sexual relations are exercised solely within marriage. Hence, sexual relations outside of marriage related to but not limited to adultery. And by the way, as I read some scriptures, we continue on. There's lists of sin. Homosexuality is one of many. We're talking a little bit about more, that, more about that this morning because of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, not limited adultery, fornication, premarital sex, incest, polygamy, homosexuality, transgenderism, bisexuality, cross-dressing, pedophilia, uh, bestiality are inconsistent with the teachings of the Bible and the church. We believe in the creation and God as the creator. We believe that God created man and that he created them male and female. As such, he created them different so as to complement and complete each other. God instituted monogamous Marriage between male and female as the foundation, notice this is so important, as the foundation of the family and the basic structure of human society. 
For this reason, homosexuality and all other sexual preferences or orientations are unnatural, sinful, and unacceptable to God. Accordingly, this ministry will not perform any marriage ceremonies between two individuals of the same sex. It will not condone or recognize such same-sex marriages, civil unions, or domestic partnerships. So that's a little bit from our bylaws. Now, I'm not sharing this with you to get it into the gun. I'm saying to you, this is what God said. We hold to that, but we also hold, hold in our hearts the gospel. I had someone come to me a couple, probably three years ago after church, and, it, and he said, would, would a homosexual be um, safe here? And it took me off guard. It's a great question, is it not? And I said, well, I hope they would be safe. I hope that would be the case. And he and his wife were a friend of this guy who was living with them. I said, I'd love to meet him. And so I did. And I met with him on a couple of occasions. He now attends here. His name is Adonis. Many of you know him. And he is living a celibate lifestyle, honoring the Lord in his life. He's been so open and such a great brother, such a great. And so God did that for him, and God can do that for anyone. And that's what we hold. We want to say, it is safe. But here's what we hold to, because these are the things that make of a free, full life. Not contrary to the scriptures. Are you with me? So what does the Bible say about homosexuality, about really sexual immorality? Number one, it's condemned in God's law. And in some of them, the death, it's the death penalty in God's law. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these the nations... In other words, the Canaanites... It was common perversion. We live in a world that's common perversion. That's what's going on around us, of which I'm casting out before you. So the context is, context is sexual relations between men. Now, the pro-homosexual response is this is talking about the way that you do it, the manner in which you do it. I say, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the matter of homosexuality, not the manner in which you do it. In other words, they're saying, don't do it in an aggressive manner. Don't be in an uncaring manner. Don't do it as without permission from someone. So it's the way that you do it. But simply put, such an interpretation is really a perversion of God's scriptures. That's not what it says. It's clear. Leviticus 20. These are key passages that you'll have to research and deal with as far as this dialogue. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulterer shall surely be put to death. Both. Verse 13, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed, notice again, an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. So adultery is in there. It's the same thing. These are, these are sexual perversions. Um, they're condemned first in the law. Secondly, they're condemned as an unnatural degrading passion contrary to the creator's design. So we go to Romans. Now, I want, to lead, I want to make a running start in Romans. This is what happens. This is what leads to it. They change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So first of all, the first thing that happens, they change the, they change the glory. of the, They make God, we do this too, in our own image. This is what I want God to be like. They change the glory of what? The incorruptible God. And begin, and it's a downward spiral. So we go on. 
First of all, they changed. Secondly, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. So the first thing, we're going to make God in our image. In order to do that, you have to exchange the truth about what God has said with a lie. So you change the glory of God, you exchange the truth for a lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. He goes on, verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged, the, here it is, the natural use what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which it's, it seems very clear to me. There's this changing and exchanging that leads to these perversions in order to live them out according to our own lusts. So it's condemned as unnatural and degrading. It's condemned as a sin for which the law was given. God gave the law to give us clearly what is sin. For through the law, law is the knowledge of sin. So in 1 Timothy, we read this. But we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing, that, knowing this, that the law is, is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murders of fathers and murders of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators. Now here's another list that includes these things, but it's not the only one. For sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, now he don't have it up there, according to the glorious gospel which was committed to my trust. Paul includes the gospel as saying, here's the answer. Here's the answer. Now, if not repented of, these, you're, you're on dangerous ground. It's that simple. We read this in the beginning. We'll go to it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither for, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. That should break our hearts. See, they're on dangerous ground. But the gospel, it confronts our sin. The gospel leads us to confess our sin. And the gospel is through which God cleanses us from all of our sin. It's only through the gospel of Jesus Christ that these things, according to the glorious gospel, they can be repented of, they can be forgiven, and we can have freedom from sin. Even these kinds of sins. If God can't do that, we're in trouble. All of us. But through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we can begin to find the victory that God has for us from these things that will destroy our lives. I say, walk in the Spirit, Paul said, and do not, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said in Corinthians, such were some of you, but you, were, you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. Thank God for that. It was sin that brought the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. This sin, one of them, prevalent one. Jude chapter, verse 6 and 7. The angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So there were, there were angels that rebelled against God. Verse 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these rebelled against God, and having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh and set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So in Jude 7, 
again, just to give you a flyover, the pro-homosexual argument is that the strange flesh they went after was angels. However, when you read the Genesis passage, which we're doing, there is no indication the men of Sodom and Gomorrah knew they were angels. They were seeking the men. And so the strange flesh they were going after was their own gender, as Romans makes clear. Unnatural and contrary to the Creator's design. Again, I have some notes that I'll send you if you want rather extended notes on Jude 7 that I'm happy to send to you. Now, another key passage that you'll have to think about is Ezekiel in chapter 16 of Ezekiel. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. So the, the pro-sexual argument would say it was inhospitality and gluttony. That's why they were judged. Now there's a problem with that. Number one, the next verse. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Now that word abomination, which is the word tieva, is the same word used in Leviticus 18 and 20. It's something that's detestable to God. And the other thing to make note of is that there was no death sentence in the Old Testament for inhospitality or gluttony. But for this abomination, as it says there, haughty and committed abomination, that was the problem that they were walking into when they came to Sodom. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 19. And so they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came to stay here, and he keeps acting as judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot, came near to break down his door. So this, this uh, wickedness is becoming arrogant and militant. That's what's happening here. Now, again, the pro-homosexual argument will be that what this is speaking about is them not showing hospitality. It's easily dismissed. Why would Lot offer them his two daughters? And why would they say, we're going to deal worse with you? That's not hospitality at all. Verse 10. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house, these two angels with them, and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they became weary trying to find the door. So not only is it becomes arrogant and militant, now it becomes blindly radical. They're blind. You'd think they'd stop, but they're at it. This is what happens when we're given over to wickedness. It becomes arrogant, militant, and blindly radical is what happens. Now, again, I want to just share with you some things that, that I felt was important that I read or, or talk to you about in this whole area. The, the agenda first articulated by the National Coalition of Gay Organizations is the same today as it was when they stated officially in 1972. Nothing has changed. Let me give it to you part in part. The ultimate goal is the achievement of sexual freedom for all. Not just equal rights for lesbian and gay men, but the freedom of sexual freedom for young people, notice, especially children. We should present ourselves not merely as defendants of our own personal rights to privacy and sexual expression, but as the champions of the rights of all persons, regardless of age, to engage in the sexuality of their choice. And so plank by plank, their agenda, restated in 2003, we're seeing it before our eyes. Here's what they said, 2003, to demand the repeal of all laws against sodomy, prostitution, age of consent for sex. Now, in Washington State, the age of consent is 16 years old. It's 16 years old. 
obscenity, pornography, same-sex marriage, and same-sex adoption, and laws restricting the number of persons in a marriage, unquote. I would say this radical agenda is happening. It's happening. So here's what happens. This kind of wickedness takes its toll. It takes its toll. And that's what we're seeing here, I believe, in a story we've read. J. Vernon McGee said this, Sins of sex have caused the most powerful empires to topple. Sex and liquor were the two causes of the fall of Babylon, Egypt, and Rome. What a warning this is to our nation, unquote. And it is. So again, the question is, where are you sitting? The question is, who are you surrounded by? Do you, are you aware of what's going on? And able to identify it as God identifies it. Then the last one is, what are you standing for? I thought, me, what are we staying for? Why does God still have us here? It's because we have this gospel. So as we finish this, this study, verse 12, then the men said to Lot, have you anyone else here? Named him, son-in-law. Your sons and daughters. Whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the outcry against them has grown Great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Judgment's coming. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-laws who had married his daughters and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. This is just such a, wow. His sons-in-law, to them he seemed to be joking. It takes its toll. It takes its toll. It's like they're saying, oh, there's our fanatical father-in-law again. And I'm sure he was. We'll read Peter in a moment. With his daughters, we'll get this in our next study. With his daughter, they're saying, you know, we don't know what to believe. We don't know what to believe. And then his wife, she said, you know, I like it here in Sodom. Everything I need, everything I need is right here in Sodom. Why should I leave with you? I like it here. And see, it takes its toll. Wickedness takes its toll on us. And how many times do I see in living life or hearing, what am I supposed to believe? Or, you know, I like it. And by the way, sin is pleasurable. It's pleasurable. God, I say, help us. That judgment is no joke. That it's coming. It's going to happen. The day of the Lord is coming. But even before that, should it not happen in someone's lifetime, they themselves will stand before God. What is the answer? The answer is one answer. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's outreach within reach. It's that I've been given a treasure in earthen vessels, and, it's, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to some of those who believe. No. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. So may God give to us a renewal of the power of his gospel, the power of his word. We preach the gospel in season, out of season. We're bringing the truth to people. Now that must be done wisely in word and deed 
But then also, as we looked at last week, may we be bold, continue to be bold in our prayers. Because let's close with this and I'll pray. 2 Peter chapter 2. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned and did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, one man, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. And we should be, and I hope that we are as believers. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment. God will deliver us. He will deliver those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. He knows how to do that. And brothers and sisters, we are up against formidable forces in this fight. And I, you know, where it really hits home for each and every one of us is when it has a name attached to it. A son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a friend. And we see them blinded by the God of this age And so we have to pray, pray. And then also, we have to repent of our own sin. We must get ourselves right with God and not play around with these things that will destroy us, not live secret lives. And so I want to exhort you today as myself, are there secret things that you're doing that God wants to cleanse you from? See, the gospel is God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that we might confess our sins and in confessing our sins, repenting of them, turning from them. And as we do that, God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Praise the Lord for that. Would you bow your, head with, your heads with me? Hi, I'm Kevin Day, senior pastor of Calvary Chapel South. I really hope you enjoyed the message and that God spoke to your heart through it. If you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch, head over to ccskent.org. And I would love to meet you at one of our Sunday services. God bless you.